Hey there, a quick PSA for this edition of Play This. Before we dive into all of our K-pop song recommendations, I wanted to let you know we created a special playlist that includes all of the songs that we discuss in this episode. You can find the playlist by clicking on the episode description or the show notes for the podcast. And once you're done listening to the episode and all of our song picks, let us know what you think. Tag us on social media or share your thoughts by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you listening and hope you enjoy the show. I don't know about your for you page on TikTok, but mine is getting like weirdly niche. Like I'm getting these videos of hot shirtless Korean men dancing provocatively, but not in like the K-pop sense. I'm talking like actual sexy do you know what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about because it's like i've seen the videos and they're like magic mic but in korea and you know what i'm not complaining well i looked it up and apparently the show is called the wild wild dream musical and seeing these videos make me think like if this is so popular in korea where is this energy in k-pop or at least like you know a little bit a little bit of this energy where is it I mean, we had it, kind of. Remember, like, the beastly idols? Let's bring that back. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, like, insert that scene from Titanic where Rose is like, come back, come back. That, that's how I feel. <laughs> Same. Hey everyone, welcome to It's a K-Pop Thing, the show where we talk about all the things that make K-Pop distinctly K-Pop. We're your hosts. I'm Teresa. And I'm Alexis. We're two reporters and friends who happen to be K-Pop multi-stands, and together we're on a mission to document and share stories about K-Pop. Today, we're doing another episode of Play This, where we give you some song recommendations. Our main song for this episode is a bit of a detraction from our normal programming. While it's not a K-pop song, the impact that it's having among idols, namely the boy groups, is undeniable. And when Alexis and I started talking about why this song is so popular, it really made us think about what's going on with the concepts for K-pop boy groups at large. So let's talk about it. This is episode 11. Play this. Gento by SB19 and our fave Beast Idol tracks in K-pop. For this episode, we're talking about the K-pop dance challenge of the moment. That is Gento by SB19, a Filipino boy group whose song is getting a lot of attention from all the boys in K-pop. Yes, we know. It's not a K-pop song. And K-pop is literally in our podcast name, but stay with us for a minute. The song came out May 19th of this year, but it's been slowly making its way around the K-pop circuit thanks to more and more idols taking up the dance challenge. I mean, recently we saw ATs do the Hento challenge. And so just Inyak, who is, no shade, pushing 40 at this point. He did it great, I might add. I saw that. Um, I mean, literally every male idol you can think of has done it in the last few months. So we asked ourselves, what is it about this song that has male idols flocking to it? There are so many K-pop songs by guys out there. So what's different about Gento? We hadn't really consciously thought about this before, but seeing the success of Gento made us realize that there's been a big change in K-pop. 
And that is the absence of the beastly idol or beast idol or beast doll, depends on who you ask. But remember those? <laughs> yes. I mean, where did all of the aggressive buff men in K-pop go? Once upon a time, we used to have groups like BAP that were known for having members with these strong physiques, intense hip-hop and dance choreo. I mean, the visuals of the group were, quote-unquote, beastly. If we think of active K-pop groups that are still releasing music, the last group to find success with this concept was Monsta X. At least at the beginning of their career, Monsta X's concept geared more toward a hard-hitting image and sound. Of course, this concept and sound aren't unique or original to K-pop, but this is a K-pop podcast, so this is our vacuum. And the history of the Beast Dolls and their current absent goes back, I don't know, like a decade. There's a lot to talk about here. So first up, we'll talk all about Gento and how they fit into the current landscape of boy group concepts. Then we'll talk about Beastly Idols or Beast Dolls in K-pop and how we got here. And last but not least, we'll also share our song recommendations, which, by the way, you can check out the episode show notes for a link to the full playlist on Spotify. But first, here's a bit of background on SB19 by our Filipino-American friend, Lai Francis. Take it away. Gento. You may have heard it on TikTok, on TV, or even have seen your favorite K-pop artist dance to the viral challenge. But what does it mean? It's a double entendre for the Tagalog word ganito, or like this, and ginto, meaning gold. According to Alter Media, the song was written by SB19's leader Pablo and is an attempt to capture the boy group's journey as a group which has faced harsh criticisms and bashings for their looks and being supposed K-pop copycats since debut. As already mentioned, the big hit comes from the Filipino boy group SB19, the leading P-pop boy group of our generation, well-decorated with awards and nominations, including the first Southeast Asian act to be nominated for the Billboard Music Awards. Composed of members Josh, Pablo, Stel, Ken, and Justin, all have become the pride of the Philippines, showcasing the well-versed talents of Pinoy's. The quintet made their debut in 2018 with their single Tila Luha under Chobiti Entertainment. Based in the Philippines, the members went through a similar training system to K-pop artists in their home country, thus giving them leverage to grab inspiration from the K-pop scene, but with a Filipino twist. It wasn't until the group released the dance practice to their second single, Go Up, off their debut album, Get In The Zone, that made heads turn and all eyes on them. You can say SB19 brought the pop group renaissance back to the Philippines as they've become the faces of various brands in the nation and have charted domestically and globally. And with Gento, the group's reputation has only gotten bigger as the song continues to make its way around the world. With their ongoing success as of fall 2023, the group has parted ways with their former agency and have built their own company and established themselves as a self-managed group under 1Z Entertainment. All right, so Gento by SB19. How should we describe this song for people who haven't listened to it? Well, it's, you know, mainly a hip-hop song fused with EDM, which is a sound that at one point in K-pop was very popular. And I think that maybe, you know, there's like a nostalgia component to that because you don't, mm. you, you don't really, like right now, the music that we're getting from boy groups 
isn't really that vibe. Yeah, Gento came on like my radar definitely via Instagram Reels, which is where old people like me watch TikToks um, <laughs> of the current dance challenges in K-pop. You get the week the week or two delay. <laughs> I do. I do get the week or two delay, which is also still how I know that this song has slowly been like getting more and more popular, you know, because yeah, gaining traction, at least in the K-pop world. It's like the chorus for Gento is just like, like aggressive, <laughs> Gento, you know, and it's just like that really deep, like <laughs> aggressive, like I even did the hand movement, you know, uh, for the dance challenge. The chorus is that aggressive from the get-go. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh, this is like intense, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's not like happy. It's not like a lot of the fresh, you know, bouncy tracks. Literally, ATs is bouncy. <laughs> you know, tracks that we've had in K-pop lately. Um so I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think that's part of the reason maybe why a lot of the boy groups are doing the challenge. But what do you think? Yeah, I think when I started seeing K-pop idols doing the song, because, I mean, I'm not that acquainted with SB19. Like, I know they exist. I know they're really big in the Philippines. And I know that they have, like, really cool um, concepts. And there was, like that one song where they were like calling out colonialism or something like that, that like went viral. Oh, wow. So, you know, they're not like, you know, some new goose from out of nowhere. So, but it, but it was surprising to me to see K-pop idols doing the song because like, I had never seen that. Like, you know, there is that one Vietnamese viral song, you know, that like the, I mean, I'm not even going to try to sing it, <laughs> but like no, the cutesy no, one. It that just like, was, became like a TikTok song. Yeah. But I had never seen like an actual song in the same way as like, you know, K-pop idols promote their songs. Like I had mm, never mm -hmm. seen that with like an entirely different industry in Asia, you know, because we will see them doing Doja Cat or whatever. But I, had, I personally had never seen them do like a Filipino group, you know. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, like that, that's cool. Like I, like, I felt like, oh, that's like a really cool exchange, you know, because like K-pop is really big in the Philippines and it's a major market for, for K-pop. So I was like, oh, that's like, you know, really cool to see, like heartwarming, you know, like this exchange of like, you know, K-pop idols paying it forward, you know, because I think I probably have seen SB19 and like other, um, Japanese groups doing K-pop song so I was like oh this is cute but then I kept seeing it and seeing it and like more and more groups and idols were doing it and then it wasn't even like an entire group you know it would be like one or two members in like their their dance practice you know like this was that these this seemed very organic it wasn't your dance challenge in the stairway of Inkigayo, you know, that, <laughs> all of those that, you know, like I just, I just imagine idols going like, you know, trick-or-treating like, oh, you know, like I mean, you want to do the dance, a dance challenge, like instead of like follow for follow, like dance challenge for dance challenge. Like that's how I picture, picture K-pop idols going around music shows, just asking for collaborations. But when I saw this, I was like, 
I don't know, like this seems like a an organic trend. So I started paying attention, especially to the types of idols that were doing them, you know. And by the time that I got to, I think it was Sun from 80s, like that's when it clicked for me. And I was like, well, yeah, because eight, right now, 80s is probably the group that like, que más se le acerca. How do you say that in English? That's the closest to what once was the beastly idols or beast dolls or beast idols, you know, which were the idols that were, you know, bigger and were seen as like masculine and aggressive and intimidating, you know? So I just thought like, huh, that's interesting. You know, like until I saw K-pop idols doing the Gento challenge, like it hadn't really clicked on, on like for me that, we didn't have that in K-pop anymore. Like my theory is that some idol played this in one of the practice rooms at one of the labels, and then it spread like wildfire and all the other trainees started doing it. And then from there, it like trickled out um, because I definitely started seeing the challenge more so with like smaller groups, you know, like mm. from other labels um, because that's one of the big promotional tactics that they use. They do dance challenges from other groups. And then it kind of like hopefully rises to the top. And then like the group that actually released the song might do it with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So to your point that like that this song harkens back to a different time in K-pop where we had a different, let's say, ideal when it came to boy groups and what type of idol we wanted to see in boy groups. I hadn't really thought about it because I still listen to a lot of older K-pop music. You know, (laughs) I do love Monster X. Like, I love me some 2PM. Like, Mm -hmm. they just had their 15-year anniversary, though. And that really made me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) So on one hand, I was like, oh, they never went away. But then it did make me think about, wait, like, what other types of dance challenges are we seeing out there? And we're not seeing other music like this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's be real. Like, I think the K-pop boy groups, like, also have noticed that a lot of the dance challenges that they've had to do lately um, are for a lot of the girl groups, too, you know? It's been a minute since we had a boy group rise to the top of the charts and be a song that has like really, really hard hitting choreo. So I think there's a lot of things that have lined up here in Gento's uh, favor. Um, And uh, I'm excited because hopefully this means that maybe we'll get to see more songs from them cross over into K-pop and Mm -hmm. see more of that cultural exchange happening there. Yeah, and to your point about um like the 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 types of songs by boy groups that we've seen get popular in, on TikTok before Gento, like excluding excluding Bouncy because that kind of co- it's coexisting with um with Gento <laughs> right now or at least it was at one point, but it also made me think about like 
what are what are the the K-pop boy group songs that are that get popular on that platform, right? And it's always like the speed up, like toned up versions of like the and hyphen the Polaroid song. So it just like made me think about you know how I mean obviously a person and especially in groups like you can be more than one thing but it just got me thinking about like how right now the k-pop landscape skews to like mainly you know like what once was known as like the flower boys or like Mm. softer boys you know because i feel like right now it's really important for companies to sell you this idea that like this is the perfect boy for you Mm, and mm-hmm. you know maybe like a member of 2pm in like 2009 <laughs> isn't <laughs> doesn't fit into that idea into that package that they're selling you know like that's that's the the like the the bad boy that you that you leave the good guy for <laughs> <laughs> gladly <laughs> <laughs> If we're being toxic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, not not you toxic. and your toxic guy era. <laughs> Me in my early 20s. Just kidding. Just kidding. When it comes to the current landscape in boy group concepts right now in K-pop, like, a lot of these newer groups that have debuted, like you said, have that very soft boy feel, you know? I think mm-hmm. Pinterest... K-pop, insert... Soft boy uh, sexy. A lot of sexy right now. There is a but lot that, of like, sexy. subtle sexiness. Unless they go like BDSM daddies, which there, there's a lot of that, which I'm not complaining. But <laughs> it's still, but it's still like twinks. <laughs> Alexa said it, not me. <laughs> I mean... What I was going to say was like, I always think of Pinterest, you search for, uh, in you know, you insert the name of a current K-pop idol who's like fourth gen or newer. And then it's literally like boyfriend material is like the next search mm-hmm. term that's like suggested. And it's, it's because literally the, the fandom right now, a, a lot of the newer fandoms are very much into the soft, you know, uh, cottage core aesthetic, like, oh, these are, this is like the, the, the guy that I go, go with to the cafe. I hate those. I hate those tweets. Like, like, oh my God, Jaehyun is so boyfriend and it's literally Jaehyun breathing. It's like, like, they're just wearing a cardigan. (laughs) Walking. (laughs) No, you're projecting that you want Jaehyun to be your boyfriend. There's nothing boyfriend about this. I mean, but let's look at some of the the big groups. I mean, you mentioned ATs earlier, you know, Stray Kids is definitely having a moment right now as like a fourth gen, as a leader in fourth gen. But when we look at the newer groups that have debuted, Zero Base One, Rise, like both those groups, even though they have their own concepts, it's super young teenage, mm-hmm. fresh, I'm um, on my skateboard, you know, 
<laughs> like after school vibes and like non-threatening, non-threatening. Yes, that is a big thing right now. They're non-threatening. If in K dramas we get the girl next door, all of the boy groups that have recently debuted have the boy next door type mm-hmm. of feel. And like, look at NCT Dream. NCT Dream, the boy group, also in Korea, mm-hmm. um, and their whole aesthetic is boyfriend like but like teenage boyfriend and like sweet and like on the topic of you know this absence of like beastly idols now for like what feels like a good seven to eight years you know because literally well maybe vab but what i what i want to say is that nowadays what we're saying or Nowadays, what we're seeing, like, you know, even with Zero Base One or with NCT Dream, you know, it's like they all start with that, you know, like pure, innocent, non-threatening image. And then there's like one member that four years later, three years later, five years later, starts bulking up, you know, and then he's like the and there's like one beastly idol in the group, you know, Johnny from NCT One to Seven. Um, Jamin from Dream, um, Zero Base One. I mean, I know they just debuted yesterday, but like, June. We can expect to see that happen. <laughs> Matthew, like, he's been hitting the gym. Like, he's hi- he's hiding. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's taking a pro. He's 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 a uh, downing a protein shake somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, um, Bangshan and Changmin from Stray Kids. You know, like. Yeah, those guys how were they not, look right now. That's not, not how they look when they debuted, yeah. you know. And even um, San from 80s when they debuted yeah, was so, also very small. So the way that I connected that, I mean not that, you know, they're like parallels, but it made me just think about like how you know, now that we're seeing this genuine, I mean, I think we can say that it's a genuine interest, right, for Gento. Because, like, they didn't have to do that dance challenge. And a lot of people are jumping on it, you know? And I think it's literally because of the choreography and, like, the feeling. And, like, not having to, like, make finger hearts and, and you know, like, blow kisses and be, like, egg you. Um, So I see that as kind of, like, you know, groups debut with an image, with a concept. And as they go through their careers, then that's when you start, like, everyone just starts, you know you start seeing their individuality. And I think that's when we see idols bulk up, you know, BM from card. Well, BM from card was always big, but like now he's like ripped, ripped, ripped. I mean, now he's so, captain of the big titty committee, right? So. I mean, he started it, but um, <laughs> like, I find it fascinating because it's just like, yeah, like what, what happened? What happened? Big guys have feelings too. Where did the beast idols go? <laughs> All right, so we've been talking about like the current landscape of boy groups, and we've been throwing out the term beastly idol um, in K pop or beast doll. I'm going to go with beastly uh, <laughs> just as a personal preference. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it, but the idea here is that this is a term which honestly I never really personally used, but no. it, perfectly encapsulates 
a certain visual aesthetic and concept in boy groups of a very specific era, mostly third gen K-pop. And it's not a term that I always used, but when you brought it up when, you know, prior to us recording it, I was like, oh yes, I know exactly what you're talking about because mm-hmm. certain K-pop idols came to mind. I.e. yesteryear. 2 p.m. Mm-hmm. Well, they are the original beast idol, beast the idol. Um, I think it's, you know, like back in the day. Um, I mean, get ready for another ha- abuelita story, hag stories, hag, <laughs> hag K-pop stand stories with Alexis. But uh, <laughs> so back gather in the around, day, children, gather yeah, around, gather, gather around, children. <laughs> back in the day, like it was very common for like the media to give K-pop groups like a tag, uh, you know, like. Yeah, just like a tag, you know, like IU was the nation's little sister and like mm-hmm. Girls' Generation was the nation's girl group, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So when 2PM comes, um, debuts in 2009, um, the landscape was like Flower Boys and Big Bang, you know, and mm-hmm. then they mm-hmm. come and they're like, you know, bigger muscular and they were doing like backflips and stuff and i'm trying to keep it pg they were doing like you know (laughs) these intense backflips and you know they had like three americans in the group you know which like body rolls back in the day three americans in the group that meant swag that made hip-hop hip-hop so Mm -hmm. they were and plus they were like made in the image of rain so 2PM got the beastly idol because they were big and seen as aggressive and like, you know, hard hitting, which was a big contrast to, I don't know, Infinite. Did Infinite come at the same? I think they were, they were around. Yeah. They were shiny. around. They were a big yeah. contrast to Shiny, so which was like the big group of that, like the super rookies of the moment. So it was like a big contrast. So you mentioned Flower Boys and immediately like I hear that and it's like on one end, one extreme end of the spectrum, you know, for boy group yeah. concepts and then beast idols are on the other on end the other of side. that spectrum. In my mind, at least, like the way that I make sense of it is I think of like anime, like I think of manga and mm-hmm. like in the early 2000s. Um, and in manga and anime, you have the flower boy concept. Many a K-drama fanatic will tell you that Boys Over Flowers was their <laughs> entry point into the K-drama Me. universe. Me. I am that person. Case in point, Alexis. <laughs> and yeah. so many other people who fell in love with, you know, uh, Lee Minho, even though he had crazy hair. And part of the reason why he had crazy hair was because that drama comes from a manga that literally was flower boy. He was supposed like it, it, his his hair was supposed to be ridiculous. It Just is as it's ridiculous, ridiculous as his in the, character in the manga. <laughs> in the manga, like he looks ridiculous. So they did him. You know, they really tried their best to honor the original comic. Um, anyways, I mention all of this because 
it's interesting to see how in K-pop you can see the running thread that stems from mangas and animes that were tailor made that were made for teenage girls, you know, and because they were made for teenage girls, they played up certain archetypes that then came with a certain visual aesthetic and certain quote unquote personality traits, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you see that spill over into K dramas. You see that thread also um, pulled over into K-pop. Yes, but, you know, like Flower Boys and Beastly Addicts, like these are concepts. Like there was a boardroom, there was like a marketing team being like, you know, this is what we're going to do because like this is what's going to get the girls going. But it's just as, um, you know, we, we keep we keep asking this question about like, why why aren't there any Beastly groups anymore? And like, you know, Topium is still around. Monster X is still around. And like what, like, I mean, what happened? And it's that they grow out of that concept. I mean, the idols themselves are saying that after a certain time period, like they're too old for the term, you know? So in 2016, um, Nikun <laughs> and Tech told InStyle Korea that they think that they're too old to be called beast idols anymore. Um, and you know, I think one of the quotes is as we grow older, we need to change our group's nickname, Nikun and, and tech agreed. And they said from beastly idol to maybe beast. I don't know how much of a change that is. I mean, because (laughs) yeah, maybe it's just beast because like they kept the body type, but that's not the music that they're doing now, you know, like they're not doing 10 out of you know they're not doing their songs from debut or like they're in another era age group i mean one of them is a father like a literal father literally they're in their strictly we are men in suits Mm -hmm. era um so it's it's interesting because even the beast idol concept itself maybe they feel like they've grown out of it but like that concept has also evolved into a more gentleman-like type of like. Yeah, because even Monster X is there. Like their music within the last, I don't know, five years, like it's it has changed a lot. And they're also in their suit areas. Their suits are like way tighter and like, you know, some. <laughs> Very le- slim fit. Slim fit. <laughs> Some pleather. A lot of pleather. It's like, giving GQ vibes, you know? <laughs> so they're in another in another era of of their of their careers. They've they've grown out of it, you know. Maybe I I mean I don't I don't know if they've talked about it, but it's very apparent that they've grown out of it because that's that's not the style of music or the look that they have nowadays. Like you said, before we used to have backflips. Now we have a lot more body rolls, you know, yeah. but a little bit of a loosening of the tie instead. <laughs> yeah. Now we have like more prudish idols who don't want to like take off their shirts and like show off their abs, you know, <laughs> we're, like we're all like Victorian men out here. Just like, you know, just a little bit of them of the ankle and we're like ah, ah. that's how, that that those are the vibes nowadays whereas 
before like you had 2 p.m. like freaking strip teasing and they were like on year two of their of their careers. So how did we get here? Like how did we get to this point where you know the landscape is very, very different? How did we get beast idols in the first place? Uh, we're gonna get into that right now. Okay. We've reached the second the second like Ajuma hag abuelita story time moment of the episode. Okay. Gather around, children, gather around. Here's here's Alexis's brief history on the rise of beastly idols in K-pop. <laughs> Where do we start? Also, like this is not academic, okay? Like this is just observational from um, a fan's perspective. Lived experience. Yeah, so don't, like, don't quote me on a on dissertation, your, yeah, the thesis, okay, <laughs> or yeah, or like on some on some friggin' article, okay. Check in with me, maybe I I get something wrong. Anyway, so take with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Don't come for me, okay. So a good starting point is rain, because rain came into the industry and kind of changed what was seen from like singers like not just k-pop but just singers in korea you know like they there had been a lot of r&b singers but rain was like the first pop Mm. star you know like idols today and from back then or like 10 years ago 15 years ago like everyone can everyone looks up to rain everyone knows that he's like very important in like the history Mm. of k-pop so his heyday was like in the early 2000s. Early 2000s, there was like like just around the world. It was like either R&B or like rock. That's where we saw emo and like pop punk. It was like similar in Korea, right? We had, you know, we had TVXQ and then Suju in like 2003, 2005. And they had like this very like visual K Japanese concept at least at the beginning you know you, if you think you know that like spiky hair spiky hair <laughs> the makeup the eyeshadow <laughs> like the like hot top hot topic um outfits that was a that 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 was a what was out there back then visual k is basically like this genre in japan that takes from like glam rock and like 80s rock but japanese so that was the style right um, but then Rain, Rain used to be in JYP. JYP, you know, like for a very, very long time was like, no, like it was like JYP, Rain. JYP equals Rain. It was like they were synonymous with one another. Also, I'm talking about Park Jin Young, the man, not the, not the, the company, but the company by extension, you know, because the company was Rain, was Rain company and JYP Park Jin Young was the producer. But then Rain leaves JYP. And now JYP has the Wonder Girls. And they have, you know, success at, at the beginning in, in Korea and everything. But a signifier of like of like success for a company, at least back then, was like you had to have like a successful boy group, you know, SM had TVXQ, 
um, and YG have Big Bang. Big Bang in this time, they were... Top of the world. Yeah. They were it. Yeah. So, you know, they... So JYP needed a, a boy group, um, especially following Wonder Girls, and especially because Rain left to start his own company. So Rain leaves JYP, the company, in 2007. Then a year later, in 2008, JYP, the company, debuts 2PM, which was basically like it's, I don't think it's a stretch to say that they they were a group of like, that was meant to be like little Reigns. Literally, like Juno, like he was known as like, oh my God, the second coming of Rain because their faces are very, they're very similar. They look alike. So they were like, oh my God, you know, and, you know, we've already talked about how they were immediately dubbed, you know, like beastly idols because they were like big and like they seemed aggressive and they fit into this, you know, idea of like masculinity. Um, Because if you haven't looked at 2PM, the members are tall with broad shoulders muscles like a long torso long legs like have you seen tech (laughs) Mm -hmm. so then it was like i mean this is me dramatizing it um this is not factual this is just you know like uh, what is it like inspired (laughs) like not not based on actual events um so then rain he founded his own company when he left jyp and he debuted his own group in 2009, and that was M Black. And M Black, if 2PM's music sounded like, oh, this could be a rain song, like M Black's music, like, I don't know, <laughs> that was like maybe songs that Rain did not want to, 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 songs that Rain preferred to go to like the boy group. I don't know, but like M Black's music, like you can literally picture rain doing them also and there were they their concept was like you know very r&b sultry they weren't as hip-hop as 2pm but they were more like r&b and sexy and like like in an anime character kind of way because they had some crazy outfits like 2pm barely had outfits and m black would put on like everything feathers you name it they're look it up they had some crazy outfits but um they also fit into the beastly idol because they were also like a little bit bigger like not all of the members were big but still in that era in that concept if you're newer to k-pop like me full disclosure (laughs) um i was not super familiar with m black you know, prior to Alexis bringing it up in our discussion and in our research for this. But when I was doing a little bit of research, um, you know, I came across this uh, Reddit thread and people are talking about M Black and they're asking like, you know, what is it that like younger K-pop stands just like really don't know about them, about M Black? And they're like, but like my mom loves them, <laughs> you know, which just like lets oh me God, know how it. much younger, younger <laughs> these um, K-pop idols, I'm sorry, these K-pop stands are. But somebody pointed out that um, anybody who was following K-pop at that time would have known who M Black was. Even in um, The Soup season two for Seventeen, 
Sun Quan and Hoshi uh, were singing and dancing to M Black's Oh Yeah in their karaoke bit. So that just kind of goes to show that later on, once we get to um, K-pop groups like Seventeen, like the idols in those groups grew up listening to groups like M Black and all of the other groups that we're going to talk about in this little timeline. But anyways, you were saying. Another like big one was BAP. They debuted in 2012 and they were like, again, this is 2012. This was like, you know, the heyday. We were like in EDM territory. Like this is when like pop stars were hopping on, were working with DJs and stuff. So BAP debuts and their concept is like hip hop and EDM. And it was aggressive, you know, like they did like crump moves and stuff like that. And that wasn't necessarily something that we had seen a lot of in B- in K-pop. Like maybe boy groups would go to, or or even girl groups would go to like a variety show and they would do like a crump stage. But that wasn't like, K-pop didn't really have like crump songs, I want to say. Not, not that I can think of any, but BAP put some of that into their music and they were they were huge. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm going to get into this later, but <sighs> BAP. Anyway, they their success was stifled, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly, because like people just if you got into K-pop like post 2015, like you just do not realize just like how big BAP was. But anyway, another like big thing that happened in 2012 And I think that this is when we started to, like, it was the starting point of, like, the tide changing was EXO's debut, which was also in 2012. And their debut song was Mama. That song is also intense. Like, what the hell? All caps, intense. It's, like, literally to this day. It's (laughs) loud. It has, like, that Gregorian chant that's going on in the song mm-hmm. where it's just like the lyrics what are they talking about we don't know <laughs> yeah and they're just like screaming at you all like the entire time like the yes, like, like they're yes. screaming at you. they're screaming that song so it was an in- so it was an in- intense aesthetic right like right off the bat exo debuted it was like this really big song but and then as we know you know Udanong, like that was the song that like catapulted them and made EXO what EXO is. And that was literally the song where they changed their concept, you know? Before Udanong, it was Wolf, which is also a very intense song. And that's not to mean that EXO was ever like a beast idol, but I, but that was like the transition. I really do feel like it was EXO and its members that this shift to like electro pop and R&B that like shifted the trend and set the trend, set the new trend for the mid to late 2010s. That is until Monster X debuted in 2015. And I mean, it's in their name, Monster. (laughs) You know, Monster. Scary. Big, loud, (laughs) scary. (laughs) Exactly. I think it was Juhoni who in one interview that I read that he was saying that like in their debut days, like other, tra- uh, other um, 
idols would like see them in like the music show corridors and were like scared of them and like would, you know, like evade them. And they were like, what the hell? They were afraid that they, Jew Honey, who's so sweet, was going to beat them up if he, they looked, if they looked at him the wrong way. They didn't greet him properly. Yeah. It was they like, there's only like three of us. <laughs> It was like it's it was only like three of us who who are big, but um but yeah, that was literally like probably at least the last successful beast idol, you know, or in that in that neighborhood. Because now, you know, Mossex is still around, but they don't really have that that concept anymore. Like off of the top of my head, I feel like the last intense song that I heard from them was like beast mode or like monster truck you know and that was pre-pandemic i want to say yeah monster x like in their recent um comebacks they really really set their eyes on the u.s market and like u.s pop charts so they leaned a lot more pop um middle of the night like that's the song that comes to mind where it's just like okay we don't need something crazy and intense here it's just like i'm your sexy boyfriend in a suit in a car and i'm going to go pick you up <laughs> cuz it's the middle of the night monsex was like the last group that was like you know the off the off white <laughs> idols like the the brand because there was like a point in time in like 2012 2013 where like idols were digged out in that and like because it was seen as like street like street style and like aggressive and like hip-hop hip-hop but yeah that was my very non-scientific timeline <laughs> of the beast titles <laughs> how things i mean change. i have been taking notes <laughs> but if you have been listening to kento or you haven't and you listen to it now and you're like hey I really vibe this, or maybe you just feel like traveling back in time <laughs> and listening to more Beast Idol K-pop or K-pop featuring really hot Beast Idols. Um, we've got you covered. So here's our Play This song recommendations. So my first song pick for this is 2PM's I'm Your Man, which came out. I'm your man. I love the song. It is an earworm in K-pop, and it is a great pop song. Baby, I'm your man. Oh, my God. I love that song. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It still slaps so hard. And this song came out in 2011. My God, that's wild. That's more than a a decade ago. Anyway, 2PM's I'm Your Man. If you have not heard it, go listen to it. It's wonderful. It is. uh, The hook is great. Timeless. Yes. Timeless. Timeless classic. It is the title track of 2PM's Japanese single of the same name. And it's actually part of their first Japanese album, Republic of 2PM. Um, Alexis and I have mentioned on the podcast before that prior to the US being the go-to market outside of Korea for K-pop, like Japan was the place to really market K-pop outside of Korea. And 2PM is huge in Japan. Huge, huge. They sell out stadiums in Japan. Mm-hmm. The domes. 2PM is also one of those groups that just has lasting power. They just had their 15th anniversary mm-hmm. concert, um, and it was packed. I've seen clips of it. Like People were going nuts. Um, but I'm Your Man is 
one of their early, early songs and hits and definitely one of my favorites. Um, the Korean version of the song was, you know, released uh, a few years later in 2014. But I'm Your Man is like another reminder that K-pop doesn't always have to be sung in Korean for it to count as K-pop, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, for people who are not familiar with 2PM, 2PM is a six-member boy group under JYP Entertainment. They officially debuted in September of 2008 with their single album, Hottest Time of the Day. Um, the members consist of Junke, Nikon, Taekyeon, Uyong, Junho, and Chansung. Originally, they were a seven-piece group. Um, former member JBM left in 2009 due to controversies. It's some from his post on MySpace. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Which, I mean, you called him by, by his government name. I was but about that to is say. Jay Park. <laughs> that is Jay Park. <laughs> that Jay Park. The, yes. Yeah. That Jay Park. Anyway. Anyway, tangents. 2 p.m. We have talked about the ideal boyfriend concept and how that's translated into so many different like archetypes in K-pop, in music, in K-dramas. And this song is like literally just like, I'm your man. Like, baby, come on. Like what? Let's get straight to the point. (laughs) Feed my Delulu self. (laughs) Um, Lulu is just a Lulu. Yes. And I feel like it's also just a song that even though it's not, um, it's not like monsters, you know, it's not like aggressive in that way. This is definitely much more of an upbeat song. Mm-hmm. The concept of like, this is my hot idol boyfriend, you know, <laughs> who's sexy and like mm-hmm. looks great in like a suit is there. It's in your face. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. I mean, when you said that you were picking 2 p.m., I was like, wow, there's, there's so too many, many songs. Yes. And yeah, but but this this is this is a good one. This is a really, really good one. And it's just, you know, it's one of those earworms you know like you'll it'll get stuck in your head like i said it's a classic like it does not sound super dated yeah no i don't think so at all i think (laughs) it's i don't think it sounds dated at all but it's it's really good it's what a good it's what a good boy group um single does which is like it automatically has you singing along like I think of like so I think yeah. of like NSYNC. Like if you play any snippet of like, you know, one of NSYNC's um or Backstreet Boys or, you know, um any other boy group, uh, if you play like a, their chorus, automatically people are like, Yes, I got that, you know? This has that same mm-hmm. effect. All right, Alexa, so what's your song pick? Okay. Well, we're talking about beast idols. Of course, we have to start it out with 2 p.m. But the second one obviously has to be my pick, which is M Black. And the song that I picked is This Is War. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say very dramatically, but um, This Is War came out in 2012 
And this was back when, like, you know, I don't know if, like, there was more money in (laughs) K-pop or the companies were spending more money on, like, actual plots Mm -hmm. for videos. But this music video is dramatic. The title is dramatic, girl. (laughs) The song is dramatic. Because the song is dramatic. Like, it's called This Is War because it essentially is a song about, like, the the these two friends who are guys and like like one of the guys was dating a girl and then they break up and then the friend dun, dun, dun. gets with this with the ex so the the first guy is like this is war <laughs> and like the 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 chorus is just like iconic there's a plot of a k-drama somewhere yeah because <laughs> the literally the the music video is a k-drama <laughs> Because Ijun was an actor. Like, he didn't even want to be a singer. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that tangent. But, um, but yeah, like, the chorus, like, it's literally like, this is war, you coward. Like, <laughs> that is the, the declaration. Like, imagine, yeah, and it's just, like, so intense and so visceral. I mean, because this was, like, the song is, like, very visceral. Like, they were great actors. They were great at, like, emoting. Yes, please watch the music video. <laughs> yeah, they were great at emoting these these feelings, you know? And um, it's just great. Like, you... This is, this is War is more of, like... Well, I wouldn't say it's a ballad. It's, like, an intense... Uh, not upbeat, but it's, like... It's like cinematic in that it's like almost, it's like an, an, I don't want to call it an anthem, but it's like, um, it has like a cinematic build to it. Yeah. It's not a ballad, but it is more of a ballad than like an mm-hmm. upbeat song. It just seems like a song that should have been in like a musical somewhere. <laughs> you know, it's just like very sentimental, very intense. And you know, like the music video and and the choreography was like they were fighting. <laughs> you know, because it's like you took my girl, you coward. This is war, or like this means war. I think is like the direct translation. <sighs> I just really love, I really love them. Like I, I always love them. Like I'm so sad that whenever they went to Mexico, like I was just like broke out of college and I just could not make it but they were great like their music was very like they had some like power vocalists like back in the day when when you had like actual singers I know how that sounds but you know when you had like more you had people back in back in the days when back when k-pop needed um, needed idols who could belt out high notes. Yeah. Back when, like, vocalist was a position, you know? Yes. Like, M Black had, like, the vocalist, Gio and Sungho, like, these were power vocalists, you know? Like, they were put in the group because they were, yeah, you're gonna sing. You are gonna, like, take it to, you know, up there. And then Ijun, he also was a vocalist, but he was more of like the face. And the the face is also a vocalist, but he was like that wasn't his stronghold, you know. He was just beautiful. And well, he's still beautiful. And <laughs> he was able to sing too. And they gave him a lot of lines because before if in like old K-pop, 
if you had, if you were the visual and you were competent in your singing, you got a lot of lines, like maybe not the main ones, but you definitely mm, opened mm-hmm, the song and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And Ijun, you know, is very prominent in their music because he was like the face. Go listen to to Emma, guys. Like that's a great, a great, great throwback. There are many M Black songs that are great. Oh my God. Speaking of, you know, like the transitions of like growing out of the peace title mm-hmm. um, concepts, like M Black also did the like sued daddies, you know? <laughs> if you've never heard the album Smokey Girl, go listen to it. Like literally, I don't know if, actually, I don't know if it's on Spotify. But anyway, if it must be somewhere on YouTube bootleg, okay? Like, that company doesn't exist. Like no one's going to come after you if you like download it <laughs> illegally, probably allegedly, I think. Um, but Smokey Girl, that album is just chef's kiss. And it's like a classic. Like I would say that that is like. They they do have the song on Spotify. Smokey Girl by album. M. Black. Smokey Girl. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. There you go. You're welcome. People have made playlists just on that song. So there you go. Because it's amazing. Like. You literally listen to that song and then it's like a lot of groups did that mm-hmm. later on. But anyway, I'll leave that as a little bit of homework for you. Go listen to Smokey Girl. Go listen to This Is War. I'm glad that you brought this song up just because I see like the running theme here of boyfriends, boyfriends who are jealous <laughs> Boyfriends who are willing to go to war for us, like, not afraid to yeah. declare their love for us. And it's it's stupid. I mean, maybe it seems silly to point out, but if I think about so many of the recent K-pop boy group singles, like the song themes are way more abstract. Like they're not as in your face of yeah. like, I'm your man. You're my girl. I mean, they're... This is war. The entire music video, they're fighting over a girl. There's there's an actress there. There are no women in boy group music videos anymore. I kid you not. I saw EXO's uh, for Cream Soda, like the MV, and I literally remember pausing and being shocked at like the split two seconds, three seconds that there's like a girl. Yeah. Um, Suho was in the car with like a, a blonde girl. And I was like, wait what was that? Did I miss it? Did I imagine that? that is that a that woman? woman? Someone of the opposite sex and then, you know, gender in the video? What's going on? Just, and that's EXO, which is an older group. And Cream Soda, which is, you know, yeah. a song pool of innuendos. And I was shocked. So we've, we've, the time, it was a different era back then when they were in your face. Of- a more tolerant era, I guess. <laughs> Maybe. Anyways, moving on. So <laughs> we go from this is war <laughs> and men uh, war. fighting. <laughs> we're, we're still we're still in the and trenches. We go to the my next song pick. So my next song pick for this play this is Monster X's Shootout. <laughs> so we are continuing with uh, a theme here, apparently, of aggressiveness, violence, <laughs> and very uh, <laughs> yes. Very active men. Anyways, mm-hmm. Monster X. If you don't know them, they're a major group. They've had lasting power. Um, they're still releasing music. 
Um, they were one of the first K-pop groups to perform at iHeartRadio Jingle Ball, which is like weird to say, but that used to be like a really big concert, you know, with a bunch of different pop acts here. Um, if you don't know who Monster X is, they're a six-member boy group under Starship, blah, blah, blah. The current lineup of Monster X is Shonu, Minhyuk, Kihyun, Hyungwon, Juhani, and IM. Previously, we also had Wanho in the group. Wanho, beast of beast <laughs> idols um, in K-pop. But anyways, shootout. I love this song. I love a lot of Monster X songs. And I think you and I have like talked about how Monster X is just one of those groups that like, when you think about it, you're like, man, I know a lot of their songs. Like, these are good songs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we hear them like, more? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, and why don't we see them more on the K-pop charts? And that's like a whole other discussion. But all of this to say that I was thinking that there are a lot of songs that, you know, fall that I think would just, I think Monster X's discography almost as a whole um, could easily fit on this playlist. But I chose Shootout because it just has that extremely catchy, like, waka, waka, waka growling <laughs> like you know chorus um oh waka 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 ground okay it is that one <laughs> yeah i'm very bad at doing the song waka 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 ground anyway and then the yeah. titty the, the titty move yes they're like the trembling yes. <laughs> jiggling <laughs> <laughs> their pecs are on full display <laughs> The pecs, which I mean, if you needed like to sustain to further, you know, drive home the argument of the beast idol, like that titty move, like <laughs> come on. Um. Anyways, shootout is like a loud, aggressive song. Um, it has like a pop rock chorus. The visuals in the MV are very sensual <laughs> and very sexy. You know, like this is not a music video where um, they're like, it's, they're not soft. They're aggressive. They're in Mm -hmm. your face. um, And they're playing with a lot of themes of like darkness and light. Um, I'm actually reading like a a review of the song on MTV.com when the single first came out. Crystal Bell writes, they're equal parts dangerous and playful with an in your face energy that refuses to be ignored. And I think. That's something I think about a lot with Monster X and a lot of their early songs. It's like high energy, you know, like they're really. Yeah. I mean, Kihyun's vocals are literally like screaming exactly. in your face. You know, Shonu is like the pecs are doing their thing. The open chest. Like, the pecs are pecking. You know, um, anyways, Shootout is it's a fun song, you know? And I think it's also like gives us Mm -hmm. one of those like iconic dance moves um, where they're like, you know, moving to the side and pointing at the floor. Um, And the other reason that I picked um, shootout is because right off the bat, you hear Juhani and like intense rap delivery. When we, we keep saying like aggressive and like in your face, you know, and like hip hop elements, but a lot of these beast boy groups, like that aggressiveness doesn't just come through in the, in the, um, 
power vocals it, or choreography. choreography. It also is really, really evidenced by the rap skills of the rappers. So Juhani, I am being um, uh, the ones here in Monsta X who really bring that high intensity energy. Like their raps never feel like it's just a little verse thrown in there. Mm, it's like the rap has its moments. Yeah, it, it has a moment. It's not like fodder. Exactly. Exactly. And I think nowadays we're used to so much like pop music where it's like, oh my God, it's a pop song. And then there's like a random verse in there that sometimes can feel really, really forced. That's like rap sung by some member. Um, and Monstax, I feel like anytime that they have their raps in the song, it's like an integral part of the song. Um, and then Shootout is just fun. So go stream it. Stream Shootout. Watch the MV. See some pecs in action. <laughs> Well, I guess we've literally chosen violence for <laughs> our, our um, and it started with like, I'm your man. Like that's a declaration of war, I guess. And then the battle but is like a shootout, brings, you know, like <laughs> the battle and then the shootout. <laughs> and then my second pick is BAP's warrior. So again, this battle, battle motifs here, warrior, like, you know, maximalism, like it has hip hop, it has crump and it has rock on top of like the bells and the alarms and like <laughs> them screaming and belting out high notes. And it's just like a lot. And the lyrics are about like injustice and like them wanting to like, you know, change it. So. It, it came out in 2012. It was actually their debut song. Um, I I actually vividly remember their their debut specifically because they all dyed their hair like bleach blonde, like all of them. And it and and you know it's the first time that you're seeing this group. And this, I mean, it's 2012. Like we're still in like you know the the emo hair with like the side part and like covering half of your face and and in the video they're all wearing similar outfits so it was just very hard for me to like you know make out who is who or like hold on like I need to pick who I like in this group <laughs> and I can't see and they're they, moving they so really fast did not hold back on the bleach yeah no that was like <laughs> I think I remember that back then reading that it was like a decision that they all made like we're all gonna do this you know like for the concept but um like i said earlier this song was like like people just i don't think newer fans understand just how impactful bap's debut mm. was especially because of their sound you know like you play warrior and there's like sirens and bells and then in comes Jungkook who has this really deep raspy voice and he's like hey, <laughs> hey. it's just like what the hell is happening and then in the and there's great like warrior oh on the chorus and it's just it's like chaos oh, <laughs> this is such an aggressive song and like chaotic and you know they also they also had some power vocals so they were also just like belting out and it, it's it's 
a lot of a song but that's how that's how you make like a first impression like a lasting impression you know like everyone was like okay you know now now I'm paying attention and 2012 was like that pivoting year that like we started seeing more k-pop groups in Mm -hmm. america do we remember trl i do (laughs) i hope the listeners do (laughs) i know somebody's googling that trl trl had this really iconic studio in new york city in um times square and you know like if you watch trl or you've ever seen footage of it it's like you know there was like a small studio audience and, you know, the artists would come and they would perform and they were like, you know, talk and like interview. But it was always like this moment because like, you know, you can look up NSYNC or like Britney Spears or Backstreet Boys. But it wasn't just like the people inside of the studio. It was more about all the people who would be outside in Times Square waiting out. BAP did that. It wasn't TRL, but back in the day, there used to be something called NTBK, which it was for K-pop, for Korean. So they had that studio and they would bring in K-pop backs. So when BAP went to that NTBK studio, like literally they filled out Times Square with fans. Wow. This was... (laughs) Pre-2014, guys, like, this was before BTS happened, before EXO even, well, no, EXO had come with us on town, but this was, like, before EXO had, like, hit it big, you know, like, BAP was truly the group that everyone thought that was going to be, like, huge, you know, like, uh, one of, like, the generation-defining groups, but then, you know, she hit the fan with our company, And it was just like, it was bad. And like, they lost all momentum. And then, you know, contract stuff, legal stuff. It was sad. But, but, you know, if we just stick to 2012, 2013, and we live in that bubble, (laughs) BAP was, blew everyone out of the water in terms of like the impression that they left on fans and like the industry, because there was, and nothing like them at that at, at the moment, you know, like they left like a big impression, a lasting impression, you know, and um, it's sad to see that, you know, like similar to M Black, like there are some of these groups, like second, third gen, early third gen groups who like because their companies folded or because they didn't have like newer groups to sustain you know that like lineage a la sm town or jyp like whereas you know like if you come into k-pop recently and you're like an nct stan and it's like it's impossible that you don't know that super junior exists or tbsu Mm -hmm. exists you know because you're gonna see these groups covering those songs or talking Mm -hmm. about them or like at sm town interactions or whatever you know, and plus these groups are still active. They're still mm-hmm. promoting, whereas BAP isn't. Yeah. I will say, bring, just to close this out and bringing it back to like what we were saying with SB19 about how we think maybe there's like a desire 
from male K-pop idols for this concept. Um, there is a, a show, a competition show called Peak Time. And it was essentially like a mix of groups that were like pre-debut, debuted, had a few years and had a long time or like the last were like idols who had groups and they disbanded. Um, they were all competing with each other. And there is this group and they're they're rookies. They're, they debuted in 2021, but they're, they're, their name is NTX. And one of the songs that they performed on the show was... Um, not a thousand percent sure if it was one shot, but it was a BAP song and they performed it. And then fast forward to like at the end when they tell all the participants that there is this batch of former former idols, groups that have already been long dead and in waxing Moon Jung up, which is a member of BAP. And everyone just loses their shit because they're like seeing mm -hmm. an idol, you know, like they're seeing an idol for them. And like there's NTX who like just did their song. Like imagine that. And so that to me was like a little like, oh, but it it's bringing this episode like, you know, full circle for me because I really do think that there is like Beast Idols now have like this nostalgia to them. And I think that that is probably playing a big part on one SB19. Their song Gento is like gaining traction among K-pop idols. But yeah. Okay, so we've obviously cherry-picked a few groups that we wanted to talk about, that we wanted to highlight. But they aren't the only um, beastles, beast idols. There were a lot of idols in that era that, and you know, when I was writing these names, I was definitely like, I, that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if people are going to recognize these names, but you know, we had groups like My Name, DMTN, which Simon, by the way, is one of the producers for XG. So just, you know, a fun little fact. Fun fact. Um, Hotshot. Hotshot. One of the members, someone was actually in 101. So, you know, Seiya, the actor she won, was in Seiya. Speed. I forgot. Oh, damn. I forgot his name, but Block, but, but Seiko's brother was in that group and Speed, but also Black B. Block B, Seiko's group. They were also kind of um, beast dolls and also like a sad story about how they could also, they, anyway, I'm lucky. But yeah, that's just some of the names that I could remember from back in the day. Um, a lot of them like aren't even on Spotify or it was just so hard to look for their, their music. But if you have a chance to check them out, do, it's like, I don't know. I know that when I got into K-pop, I really like doing deep dives and just like going into you know like how do we get here like what 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 was popular before or maybe you just want to laugh at some hairdos and <laughs> and outfits like go on youtube have fun <laughs> it's great music i agree okay so i feel like this episode has been an interesting little 
time traveling experience in the world of boy groups in K-pop. <laughs> I, I definitely learned a lot of things in the research um, for this episode and through your little history lesson. So thank you for that. I'm just glad, you know, I can just talk about these things that I just know <laughs> and are like entirely, I don't want to say unuseful, but like, you know, when am I going to have the chance to bring up say uh, the hot shot and speed and like talk about BAP's music and cultural impact. But anyway, I'm still thinking about something that you mentioned at the beginning of this episode, which was like, does Gento have a little bit of like a nostalgia factor in a way? And I'm thinking right now in the US about how everybody like we're getting so many teasers about a potential NSYNC tour reunion special something going on you know and it's like all of the millennials are going crazy and everyone's freaking out me included yeah or even like all the songs from like the early 2000s are getting you know sampled big on tiktok yes or yeah on tiktok too but you know that they've been used and like sampled Mm -hmm, for newer mm -hmm. music like interpolated in different ways fantasy from lotto comes yeah, comes yes. to mind. And it's like, it's crazy because it's like, you know, I think nostalgia, I think we've hit peak nostalgia. And I think there's going to be, um, I don't know what comes after that, you know, but I think boy band nostalgia is newer, you know, like mm-hmm. in we've had nostalgia with the fashion and the Y2K, like hip hop sound, you know, and like just Others, other 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 um, R&B artists, uh, like you said, sampling or interpolating a lot of different um, older music from the early 2000s. But the boy band nostalgia, I think, is just starting. So for me, it's going to be interesting to see how that nostalgia factor like plays out in K-pop because everything ultimately comes full circle. You know, and the groups that are fourth gen now, like grew up listening to these songs. So or they or they trained with these songs. Exactly. You know, like straight stays everywhere are familiar with like the viral clip of um, uh, I think it's like Changbin and like Lino and they're singing like 2 p.m.'s heartbeat, you know, (laughs) and like in a really Mm -hmm. ridiculous fashion. And there are so many younger K-pop stands who are like now looking up 2PM's heartbeat because of that clip. So it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how all of this comes back around and how it's reinterpreted moving forward in K-pop. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll see more Beast Idols. And if we don't, maybe we'll have to just go back to and see Wild Dream Musical. <laughs> I mean, there. if we know anything about K-pop is that, you know, these companies are always, you know, looking at social media and like the trends and, you know, where the needle is moving. And I feel like it's a sizable group of idols who have covered this and the reactions from fans have has been positive because in a lot of instances, this is like a rare occasion 
where you see that side of their favorite singers, you know, because it it strays from their from their original concept. So I'm sure there must be some executive somewhere being like, hmm, maybe we maybe we need like a group with a stronger a stronger concept because you know we've been talking especially like in our girl group episodes about how you know like boy groups no shade have hit like a slump and there's just not a lot of creativity going on in terms or variety to be honest um so it's 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 gonna be interesting to see if anyone is seeing this happening with Gento and just being like, hmm, maybe maybe we need maybe we need a beastly idol again. And you know what? All we have to remember also that all of these boy groups that are leading fourth gen right now are eventually maybe not all, but the ones who are of Korean citizenship will have to enlist in the military. Mm. And we know. And let me tell you, dear listener, that there's such a thing as like that post-military glow. Let me tell you, when they come (laughs) out, it is a completely different K-pop person. And it's usually, you know, later in their careers, they're going to want a different change. They're going to want to change up things. And especially so once they come back from the military. Mm -hmm. But until then... I don't know, Alexis. Do we? Uh, what, do we what do we have in the meantime? Do what we have to make do with a wild, wild dream musical? <laughs> well, you know, bringing it back to wild, wild dream <laughs> musical. Like, I just thought it was really funny how it started out as like a few TikToks that we were, you know, like randomly watching, and then once I looked into it, like the page where, as a foreigner, you buy tickets, like. The reviews, you guys, it's 4.8 out of 5, and it's 419 reviews. And they're giving out photo cards, and, like, you can buy meet and greets afterwards, after the show. So maybe all the all the big titty committee guys need to get together and just, like, you know, make a super group. <laughs> make their own super M of just, like, big titty committee The super guys. M of beast idols. Oh my God. I would, mm-hmm. that would be like a great concept for like a, like a special one-off concert. Like imagine the. K-pop companies imagine hire Imagine the us. type of fandoms that you would, we know what's we would up. all be older fans too. <laughs> so hopefully there won't be as many fan wars. I don't know. And if you don't know what a wild, wild dream musical is, because it hasn't come up on your, for you page, or you haven't understood, just, just, do yourself a favor and go look it up. Go look it up on TikTok. You'll thank us later. It'd be a nice little, yeah, it'll be a nice little surprise for you. So on that note, we want to hear what you think um, about beast idols in K-pop. So do you think that we should have more groups with this type of concept? Do you have a favorite beastly boy group in K-pop? Let us know. You can share your thoughts via the open question box on Spotify. Um, and as always, you can check out the playlist for this episode in the episode show notes, um, wherever you get this podcast. Another option is letting us know by tagging us on Instagram or X, um, aka Twitter at IKPT pod. 
All right, everyone, that's it for this episode of It's a K-Pop Thing. We will catch you on the next one. Bye, everyone. It's a K-Pop Thing is produced, recorded, and edited by Teresa Avila and Alexis Oyangastelum. Be sure to follow us on X and Instagram at IKPTPod to keep up with the show. We hope you join us on the next one.